For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome back, sports fans, to another episode of the Charity Stripe Podcast, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one sports podcast network in Los Angeles. For those listening at home, on the road, in the air, in the water, do you believe? We have a great show for you guys today head coach of Laney College and the athletic director. You know him from Last Chance U, the godfather of football in Oakland. Coach John Beam joins the show for an awesome episode you don't want to miss, so buckle up, tuck it into your waistband, because here we go. Three, two, one. We're back. We sitting here. I'm supposed to be the franchise player, and we're in here talking about practice. It's the Charity's Try Pitcher Free Throws because they're free. So 262 coming hot at you guys in so 261. And I'm joined on this one by offensive and defensive coordinators APU as per usual. Alex Toss Me the Rock to Sopolis and Nikki Snacks. Clyda. In an awesome episode, one of our all-time favorite interview interviews. We always say that, but this one, truthfully, top to bottom was great. We loved Last Chance You. This last season was amazing. And uh, Coach Beam is as advertised. What you see is what you get, and he's a great guy. And he shared some great insights, some great stories with us, and we really valued, valued his time and appreciate his time. So without further ado, enough yabbing and rambling by me. Here is the Charity Stripe team with Coach John Beam. All right, you heard it in the introduction of the podcast. We have the Godfather of Oakland football, which is probably my favorite nickname for him. You know him from Last Chance U, the head coach of Laney football. Coach John Beam joins the show today. Coach, how you doing, man? I'm awesome. Thank you guys for having me on your show. I'm fired up. Absolutely, Coach. Well, we were fired. We were. There's a lot of mix of emotions, honestly, on our end after watching this Last Chance U, um, and I'm sure that was a very different experience for you after 40 years of coaching. 
you're always watching players film, right? You're getting to look back at them. This time, the shoe's on the different foot. You get to look back at you coaching and see how it's done there. Uh, as well as podcasters, we're all actors here, right? And when we're acting, one thing when we look back at our tape is we, we like to assess and go, what worked and what didn't and why? So what were some things that you felt that you did really well and some things that you may, may have changed going back on it or some things that surprised you from a coaching standpoint that you were doing? Well, I think, you know, the things that I think that went well is that I was just me, you know, mm -hmm. what you that's me, you know, maybe, you, I mean, I run around, I'm a big kid at heart, I'm 61, but like I said, you know, I walk everywhere, I try to beat everybody in walking match, it doesn't matter, like the kids we walk from our field house to the campus, I'm gonna try to beat them, you know, um, so that's who I am. I think the one thing that I thought that really resonated me watching it and I, you know, it stuck with me a little bit, right? Is that I didn't have, I thought I did had a better impact on RJ than it came out. Now, whether it was shown wrong or not, I don't know that, but I, I could have did a better job with him just in, in, in pumping him up a few times more. Not, you know, like he wants the ball thrown, that's not going to change, right? The ball mm -hmm. is thrown by the quarterback. The quarterback decides who gets the ball, right? Once Absolutely, yeah. But, but, but pointing out the good things that he did more often instead of just constantly getting on all about stuff. Now I thought we did. And he said, coach, we did have this big time. We talked and you hugged me up and I apologized to you for, you know, back talking. I said, yeah, but I could have did a better job of making, you know, hearing you, you know, when you were frustrated, I can't change who got the ball, but I could have did a better job when you were frustrated to try to help you understand why it was happening. Right. So that was one of the biggest things. I think the other part was just seeing yourself, out there you know is you know during a game i don't know what comes out of my mouth sometimes I, you know i mean i'm <laughs> dude you are you know? fired up man you are down the sideline on the field you are literally the 12th so, man sometimes yeah and so i don't like you know like they have pictures and clips of me over the years i mean all different levels from high school to here like i'm on the field like I did a handstand one time, got, you know, not a, not a full, but like a tripod handstand, like I'm rolling, I'm just rocking or like, I didn't know I ran down the thing all moving and shaking like that, you know? <laughs> and so I don't realize because I'm just, you know, I'm excited, you know, that you're doing, I'm doing something. I'm sure you're doing the same thing that you love. Yeah. Right? It doesn't work when you come in, when it's something you love, I'm getting paid to do something I love every day. And I get to wear shorts or sweats all day long, tennis shoes, right? I mean, I'm just happy to be there. And so I hope that came out. Um, I'm happy that I'm in a city that respects and loves me as much as I respect and love the city. And, you know, I think the other piece is that, you know, when you can evoke change, make change in young people, right? Make a difference in their life. And maybe it's just something really little, right? You know, I'm not trying to be profound. I'm not Barack and, you know, changing the whole world. I just want to make it so that guy has something to eat today, for instance, right? Or he can get food from now on, right? Um, those sort of things. Like, hey, there's a food bank. You can go get food there. If you can just do one little thing like that, that's huge for me. Yeah, I mean, the struggle that some of these guys had was like, and even at the end of the show when you've been following Dior, you've been following New, you've been following RJ, they hit you with AQ at the end kind of towards the end of the season, you're like, oh my God, like, you know, it's really just an uphill battle for a lot of these guys. Was there a certain point that really hit you emotionally that you found unexpected or something you didn't know that one of these kids was going through? Or are you pretty aware of it most of the time, the situation? I mean, so the tiny houses that you saw AQ go to, right? 
we knew about that from my connection to the city council, right? Mm-hmm. The schools. So you see some of that. But I think the biggest thing is that you know Dior sleep in his car some days. You just don't know how many days, right? Mm-hmm. Then you, That's the part. You know RJ has a disconnect with his father with these issues, but you didn't know that his mom had some other things, right? Mm-hmm. For New, New's the youngest of four brothers I coached, so I coached the three other ones. So I knew that his dad wasn't around, so I always went to Mason. You see a lot of things, because Mason was my guy. And yeah. Mason was kind of the father figure to New. I didn't realize why his dad was not in the picture. I mean, I just knew he wasn't early on, and now I'd see him back. So I wish I'd known that, because I would have given him a big hug and said, man, I love you for what you're doing, the strength that you have, right? But I didn't quite know that. One, you know, so those are things that are a little bit more detailed things. Um, like with Ray, like his brother says, as soon as I found out Ray's father, Shani's father was killed, I was over there the next day, you know, checking on him and, you know, making sure they're okay. Uh, and Ray was still in high school at that time. Shani was on art, was on the team, but was not playing at that point. He was shirting because some different things going on. And at that point, I was able to make more of a, for Ray, I mean, for Shani, more of a connection with him, right? Once I knew he lost his father, what was going on, now I changed how my approach to him, started hugging him up more, you know, finding everything that he did right and minimizing anything he did wrong, you know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. he needed positive and happiness in his life at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it seems like it's something you've been dealing with, though. I mean, we just get a snapshot, right? We just get your 40th season, which, by the way, congratulations, that is a wild accomplishment. We just get a snapshot here, but this is probably something you've been dealing with, not even in your college days, but all the way back to high school. I mean, and you mentioned yeah. guys like CJ Anderson, Sterling Moore. I'm a big Patriots mm-hmm. guy, so Sterling Moore, I uh, know him very well uh, from a fan perspective. Um, but, you know, what are some of the situations kind of like in the sense that, like, how do you keep in touch with these guys? Like, what's your relationship with these guys? Are you, is it, are you, is it possible to kind of maintain a relationship and cultivate a relationship with these guys after football? Or is there so many guys coming through to you, you know? So last year we win the state championship, the national championship. I turned 60, right? Mm-hmm. So my wife tries to throw me a quasi surprise party, right? Um, cause quasi, cause she's got to get my numbers, right? And we have this place and stuff. The problem became is it only held 300 and we were done. We had RSP 300 and we couldn't take any more people. We still <laughs> keep coming, right? Um, and so it's tough, but you try to make, like when COVID happened, I try to, you know, every day I try to make 10 calls or 10 text messages to somebody, you know, like a CJ or church, guys that you don't even know about, right? Just checking on them, checking in on them. And then when the George Floyd thing happened, right? My next thing was to send the same message out. This was time was text, but not as a group, but individually to just say, you know, hey, I love you and I will always stand next to you, right? Because this was, you know, with all this going on, you needed to show black males that we were there for them, right? I wanted them to know that. And even though they all knew it, a bunch of people came back to coach and met so much just proceeded in writing, you know, instead of just calling or knowing about that, I actually text them the words. Mm-hmm. It took the time to write time right it sinks in more huh it sinks in more when you see it in writing i think so i think i didn't realize it but it makes sense right Mm -hmm. and so did that um but yeah you keep in touch with them as best you can you you make sure you're available but there's so many things going on i mean for me the show is i got caught you know people contacted me that i taught in junior high 30 years ago 40 years ago 
And back then they called me Mr. Beams. When I taught PE, in <laughs> junior, it was Mr. Beams, Mr. Beams. <clears throat> you know, not Coach Beam, but and so they came out and they just they said they cried. They knew that you know, when I was a junior high teacher, I was coaching a combo, I was teaching junior high, and I can't tell you how many times, and it really meant a lot to me. But I had ninth graders, right? So ninth grade girls and ninth grade guys would bring seventh or eighth graders to me because. They wanted me to help them because they had been abused at home. They saw, they could tell. And so they would tell them, hey, you can trust him. And I had, a, you know, every year, you know, I'd have to call, you know, CPS multiple times to help somebody. Like, I didn't care. It didn't bother me to, I'm not afraid to call people, right? You know, not that I'm this strong guy or not, but, you know, it's okay. You, you, you know, I need to stand up for them because they can't stand up for them. They're 12, 13 years old, right? Someone's not being nice to them, right? They're hurting them. I need to stand up. So those are the things that I think that came out from the show. People have been reaching out back to me and that's been really cool. Right. Just to, you know, that they bring up memories of teaching them PE, teach them how to play soccer, or took them horseback riding, you know, took them river rafting. So it was cool. Yeah. I mean, do you, I mean, did you anticipate, I mean, I know you moved from San Diego to Oakland, you know, Nick's a San Diego guy up there. Uh, and did, did, did you, did you kind of anticipate this being the path that the way things would go? Like, did you, like, I know it's so tough to kind of be like, okay, this is how my life's going to go and kind of, you know, pigeonholing every little aspect. But did you find that you would become this kind of person, this not only just a coach, just some, but something more to people? I think I kind of did because my dad was like that, right? So my dad was in the Navy, right? And then worked in the, my dad's a horrible athlete, by the way, was, I mean, he passed away, but so when, one of the teams in Little League, when we were 12, didn't have a coach or a man, whatever you want to call it, right? My dad coached the team. Now, he didn't know much about baseball, but he knew someone had to coach it. So he just did it. Or friends of mine, we were playing Pop Warner. They didn't have dads. They couldn't get to practice. My dad would pick them up to take them to practice. He made me get there on my own. And I'm like, Dad, how come I got to walk or get there on my own? And you picking them up because you have someone they don't. And so you have a way. Um, so I think it started being ingrained for my father. And then, you know, coaches growing up that, you know, individual coaches at different times in my life that, you know, took the interest in me to steer me in the right direction because I was always in trouble. You know, I was always running off at the mouth about something. But yet somebody, some coaches saw something in me to, you know, guide me a little bit better so I wouldn't be a total jerk off. Can't be that guy getting kicked out of class all the time. That you're pre you're preaching to the choir, man. I, I spent more time when I was in middle school in the detention office. I, there was a period of time I think I really in eighth grade from like the last part of eighth grade, I spent zero days in the lunchroom. I just pretty much ate lunch with the dean every day. So I'm you're I'm cut from the yeah. same cloth, man. Sometimes you just gotta so, let you know, it out. That was just dumb, right? Getting a t I don't know why, right? But someone saw something in me, right? And mm -hmm. this was so ironic, right? I graduated with honors from high school. No one knew, right? They thought I was like, like, why are you? Even some of my football coach, like, why are you here with the gold cord? Give it back. Who'd you take it from? I'm like, no, I earned it. Yeah. They, they didn't believe it, right? Because I was a closet nerd, but you know, you had to be that cool dude out on the quad. You know what I mean? <laughs> it was kind of an interesting deal. Yeah, man. Speaking of cool dude, you have that. The mustache is iconic. Like, how long? Like, <laughs> it's and like they show a photo of you. 
back like in the eighties and you still got it. Like I, I still have, rocking it. What kind of like talk about like I know you're committed to football. I know you're committed to your wife and your family, but the commitment to your mustache honestly made Trump all. It, it's remarkable. <laughs> it's remarkable. Not to, not to downplay the the hair either. Your hair is particularly long right now. It's it's getting there. So, so yeah. So this is how it was back when I first started coaching. So the mustache, I think I started like in JC when I was playing. And I don't grow, it doesn't, you know, because I'm, you know, half Asian, it doesn't, you know, grow really. So I don't really, I don't can't grow a beard. You know, this is, I don't never shave it. It doesn't get any bigger. It doesn't get any smaller, you know. That's just kind of me. Um, my hair now is kind of like, you know, hey, I thought when we went out in March, we'd be back in June. I said, I'm not cutting my hair to come back. We didn't come back in June. We're not going to come back to June. Wife goes like, are you really going to not cut it till you come back in January? I was like, Maybe we'll see. You know, we're gonna rock it. Plus, yeah. I, have a, I have a new granddaughter. She's my only grandchild, but she's seven months old, and her hair is growing. So we're having a hair. You know, her and I, are, <laughs> you know, having a little contest. We're gonna grow our hair longest, so <laughs> but then we can bond over every day. So it's been fun. You know, just let it rock. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's awesome. That's awesome. She was adorable, by you, the way. You don't go. You don't go back till January. You said, yeah. Well, yeah, that's when we're gonna start football in California for high school and JCs. Will be January. Right. If we can even get it off then. Wow. So this is probably the longest that you've ever been without coaching any kids. Think about this for a minute, right? I just finished 40 years. 41 was coming up, but it's a buy on the schedule now. Yeah. So I won't coach in 2020. Right. Wow. I'll coach maybe twice in 2021 because I'll coach in the spring of 21 and then come back in the fall of 21. So it's different. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I had one year I didn't coach because when I transitioned from San Diego up to here, I took a year off. We got married. My wife and I got married. That's when I psyched her. We got married on Labor Day because so family and friends from San Diego could come up for a three-day weekend. My wife didn't understand that Labor Day is really back in the old days was when you started football, right? That's when your first scrimmage or first practice was. So she found out for the next 38 years that her anniversary could never happen on Labor Day because I'm on the field. Um, oh my god! So, <laughs> you know, so it'll it, it, yeah, it's going to be an interesting time for sure. That's and what then, is a what has recruiting been like during this whole COVID yeah, process? My question about that. Man. So it's been tough because you know we can't meet face to face. I think guys, when I recruit a kid, I think my selling point is me, and I don't know if it comes across on the Um We can't legally do face to face recruiting. And so it's been a little bit tough. So you're calling. And, and to be honest, seniors, these, this class of 2020, because all that was going on, they were not feeling ha- hearing a call from a coach. You know, they, think about it. They didn't get to finish their senior year, whatever sports they may have been doing. Didn't go to the prom. Didn't get to go to, you know, grad night. Didn't get to go walk the stage. They didn't want to talk to anybody. They're pissed off. They're yeah. hurt, right? So here comes the JC coach trying to convince them to come. They've been ghosts, but it's starting to pick up good now. The show came out. People liked how they saw Laney football, Laney coaching staff, maybe even Laney head coach. I'm not sure, but, you know. Oh, it's a fun coaching staff. You can tell. That's my favorite. That is the the best part about it. Not the best part, but for me, one of the funniest parts of the entire show is watching all the the coordinators and the assistant coaches just meet up at the beers at the bar, dude. Because, like, the – like, and it's crazy. Like, you know, you watch that and you go, okay, this is hilarious. Like, these guys are going out and getting loaded after a practice. But their football talk is, like, their passion on each of the guys in the coaching staff 
is was that like a joy to see for you? Because some of these guys, like a guy like Adam Robinson, a young guy who's the wide receivers coach, he is so invested in this team. And then all the way up to Hag, he's invested too. I mean, you get you become, you become invested. That's why you get invested in some ways because like top to bottom, everyone on that team is so invested. So think about it. Adam played for me. Yeah. Right. You know, and then Hag and I coached against each other and you know, there was a mutual respect from it, right? So everybody, you know, Derek Gardner played for me, Donald Deaker played for me, Kevin played for me, Casey, you know, it goes on and on. So my whole deal is keep this family. Um, that, the what you see is that's our, after our Thursday walkthrough or set Friday walkthrough, right? The kid, they go out, you know, we got a short practice. So there's a chance to kind of just chill for a little bit. You know, for me, you know, that's, that's date night kind of. So I go home and, you know, do my mm-hmm. date night. Usually we don't get to eat dinner until eight o'clock at night. So now we can finally eat a dinner at a halfway decent hour. So yeah, it's good. I think it's really good for staffs to get together and let it out, you know, and I think it's good for them to, you know, bitch about the head coach too, right? Get it all out. Right. So, because like I tell them, you got a problem, you better bring it up to me now because I ain't hiding that shit. Right. So let's get it done. And then at the end of the day, there can only be one guy that signs the checks and that's me. So we make sure we all understand that there's only one check right. Mr. Sakai writes it, you know, prints a checkup, John Beam signs a damn thing. So we get on the same page real quick. And so I think it's good, but I want them to come in. We have open meetings. You know, if they don't like what we put up, then they better, you know, because I call the offense, right? Mm-hmm. If you don't like it, better come up with something better. But I think we're collaborative what we do defensively. I started out my career as a defensive coordinator in high school, beat De La Salle. You know, so I go over the defensive side and I listen to what they do and they, they tell me, I don't know what I'm talking about. Shit, it's real easy, man. Play man to man. Press them up. Let Ray press everybody up and let's go to work, right? And blitz the shit out of everybody. Just don't overthink it, right? So it's been good, mm-hmm. you know? But you, yeah, we got a good staff. It's a good staff. I think, a- I think the coolest thing that I saw was that not only with the staff, but also with the school as well is that in, in a, you know, so many of these guys are, are coming up and they're, figuring out how to be a man, right. And making mistakes and learning from them and having that kind of like growth mindset is such an important part. And, you know, you see that like the mindset that they currently have their frame of mind, a lot of times, like with new and when he, when he plagiarizes the test that it's, I love that. Like he gets reprimanded, but I I know that in, in schooling, when I was growing up, I was afraid that if I ever cheated on a test, like I'd get kicked out of school. I would, you know, fail the, fail the test and, and never be able to come back to school that like the consequences were going to be so dire that it scared the living shit out of me. And I think like what I, what I commend to, you know, Laney and everything that the, the, the coaches and the teachers are doing is that you guys give them an opportunity to, to fail and then succeed after that. And to, to tell them to like, forget about it. Like with Dior, he drops the two passes and you say, okay, on to the next. You can't get those back. You'll never get those passes back. But what you can learn is get your hands up for the next one, catch the ball, and then continue. That was really amazing. I think the beauty of what Laney has is that we have instructors that care about these young people, right? Not even football players. They care about them. We, they come from a system of schooling that has failed them before. Yeah. And so maybe copying or plagiarizing has been okay or whatever. You know, just turn something in. And we got to tell them, no, there's a new level, this is college level. And we have an honor code, don't get me wrong. But if we can work something out, let's work, let, you know, like I tell people, let's not be punitive, let's be educational, right? So how can we turn this into an educational moment, right? So even when I had to boot some kids off the team or suspend them for games, right, that was okay. But like I made them be the water boy on the sideline, 
that's the worst thing you can make a starter do, right? Carry the water. Even you see Ray later, <laughs> water. Right. Um, <clears throat> and you tell everyone to thank Ray for the waters. That's yes. great. Cherry on top right there. Right. And then on top of which, the next piece is that like, okay, after you know we did this punishment, so I can run them. And we do run them. But if you're going to run a DB, you can run a DB all day long. They don't. That's not punishment. To them. They can run, right? So we made them get up on a Saturday after a Friday game and meet me at 8 a.m. to feed the homeless. Now that is not punishment, but it's actually rewarding to see that someone actually has life worse than you. Because these guys are talking about, and I get it, your has a bad life, you know, you see it all. But there's really somebody that even has a worse life than they do. At least he has a car to sleep in. At least he has yeah. food in. You have people even worse. And so, you know, Derek and I go out with them and we meet them and we do the we do the we feed them breakfast we do whatever and so i think that becomes a win-win right so it's a teachable moment now the bad part is that derek and i got to get up at 8 a.m or be at 8 a.m right but you know if i'm going to make them do it then i need to do it as well right so um so i go and do it my wife said why are you getting up i got you know i got these guys doing it so I, you know that's my job well why don't you have another coach do it? well no i'm the head guy that's me right. that's my job it's not their job right it's my job and so that's what we do. Plus, it puts me back in the community, right? Back where I want to be. So the community can see what I'm doing. You know, we're here to help. And so I thought it was a, it's a win-win. Just to talk about the community real quickly, it, it seems like, you know, guys that come to your program who are in Oakland, some of these guys have part-time jobs. It seems like these guys are a little bit more responsible than the guys that you see, like, in the first couple of seasons in Last Chance U, where, you know, everything is kind of given to them. You know, they have a dorm. They, they're right on campus. They have meals. Like, these guys are commuting hours to get to football practice. You know, they're, they're commuting hours to get to, 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 to school and take their tests. And I just – I think that – I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, that these guys have a little bit more responsibility and, and things to take care of. They don't necessarily – kids are kids. Eight, you're, when you were 18, you were just like them maybe not the same living situation. So we have to instill that. We have to make it important to, we got to teach about time management. That's something we're harping on all the time. Right. And it pays in, but yeah, they don't have it easy. But then again, like I tell them, you think anybody cares, right? You don't have it easy. They're not, they're not trying to make your life easy. Okay. So get over it. Let's make it better. Right. So if you time manage it, it won't be so bad. So when Ray and Shawnee, when they were a year before, when they were freshmen, all during spring, they would stay in the building to 7, 7, 38 o'clock doing their homework because the commute's so bad, right? So Shawnee, being the big brother and more responsible, said, look, let's just do our homework now in the building. We don't have to go. We can bullshit around, get it done. Then they, by the time they left, there was no traffic, so they almost get home at the same time instead of sitting in two and a half hours of traffic. Now, Shawnee was also smart enough to know that when they sat in traffic, he still had to stay awake and drive because Ray slept. But now... Right, because they did their homework, it was all done, and it's a shorter drive. Now Ray's able to, you know, be a part of the conversation. He's not right. So again, and then for us, that means I have to stay there longer to make sure that the building's open before I can finally kick him out because we can't leave him in the building without him. So you know, we have to stay a little bit longer, but that's okay. But that's what it gets, right? And so they do find ways to be resourceful. We have to help them become resourceful, right? That's our job. Like I tell them. And, and, and as you know, the show, I'm not a computer guy, right? But I tell them, I'm your Google. You just Google me and I'll give you an answer. Like, I won't go help you get financial aid. I won't go help you get to the writing center. Google me and I'll tell you how to get help to do it, right? So that's what we ask them to do. Like, okay, coach, I don't have time to get this done. I, you know, I'm driving. Okay. 
So are you, what are you asking me? Well, I kind of figured out, okay, so have you thought about staying here during traffic time? Have you thought about this? Have you thought about taking on BART? And then you could do some homework on BART and some reading on BART, or you could sleep on BART so that when you got home, you'd be, be rested so you could then do homework, right? So that's what I have to do. I have to help, help them come up with solutions to be successful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then you, you talk about how, I mean, you're ingrained in the community now. I mean, you see you throw out the first pitch at the athletics game, and the the remarkable and thing is... It did cross the plate. It was a oh, I saw I don't know. I, don't, I have no problem with you. Listen, we've seen so many bad... Is this self, self-proclaimed singer? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Little split finger. Now, the guy who caught me, the catcher for the A's, who was a the coach... He play, went to Skyline, so I've known him since he was, you know. Uh, oh, uh, no something. way. That's great. I didn't realize Marcus that. Pants, uh, so I told him, I said, frame me up, baby. Frame me up. Don't let the umpire see it sink. I'm going to go for that outside edge, make him chase it. He goes, he laughed. Okay, I got you, coach. Yeah. <laughs> no, I thought I thought the pitch was solid. Listen, I, we've seen so many putrid first pitches in the history of the game. Uh, Dr. Fauci, who's doing, you know, the best he can out here trying to fix, you know, the corona issue, threw out arguably a top three worst pitch of all time, other than 50 Cent. And oh, what was it? 50 Cent threw one over the dugout. 50 Cent was 50 awful. Cent threw one like I couldn't even believe. And then Carly Rae Jepsen, I don't know if you the call her maybe girl, she threw one that was like, that's you're not going to invite back to, to do this. Uh, sorry. Well, if I'm going to throw from the grass, can I say, no, I'm on the road. I gotta be on the rubber. But the thing is, they don't let you warm up. You don't get no bullpen action. That's you gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta get the arm loose, man. You gotta get the. And you're, I was trying. Out of wear and tear. Yeah. The. And I you, mean, if you don't get a warm up pitch, then it's like, where's the team? Where's the team like trainer, right? Because he's gonna need to come over here in a second. Yeah, I'm gotta about get, the, I gotta get iced up, baby. You gotta get stretched <laughs> out. Like you gotta get all the all the amenities going. Um, but you see that you knew everybody. You get to the A's game, and you couldn't even believe how many people you knew. And you are, in, you know, ingrained in the community. Um, but they also talk about in the show all the opportunities you have, and you had to kind of go and, and and get something else. And you have this conversation with New, and you ask him. You know, is this comfortable for you, Oakland? You love living in Oakland. Is it, you know, is this your safe place? Is that why you don't want to leave? Are you self-sabotaging? Not to say that you were doing that, but was it in a situation where you were comfortable, you didn't want to leave, you knew you had a good thing going, or was it a situation kind of where you go, you know what, this is this is, this is bigger than my ambitions. This is bigger than what I want out of my career, and I owe it to these people because I've done this for these other people, and I'm in this community, and I'm, it's bigger, just bigger than coaching. It's bigger than being an OC at Nebraska. It's bigger than being the head coach at Colorado State. Or is it a combo, combo of both, kind of? So here, here's the deal, right? So early in your career, you know, when you're, you know, years two or three or four, you're all fired up to be, and, you know, move on. Just prove to people that you're a good coach, right? You know, because good coach, you have to be a Division One coach or an NFL coach. That proves you're a good coach. Well, yeah. that's a lie. But you know that, right? And so the early jobs were jobs that were going to pay me not as – maybe a little bit more than what I make now at, when I was teaching. But remember, I got two young kids. And I, my wife works. You know, she's a therapist. So I would lose her income. And I'd like, well, I can't afford – that's not – responsible to my family if I uproot them and I lose income that we can't, you know, get them to go to college and things like that. So I think that was one reason why I didn't. The other thing is this, you go to like the two schools that I had firm offers from for UNLV and San Jose state and at UNLV, it was John Robinson who I idolized as a coach, but 
The problem is if you go to those schools, if you do a really good job and you guys do well, then you move that head coach moves it to the next big job, right? So now you're going to uproot your family again. If the head coach gets fired, even if you're the best assistant coach in America, your ass gets to fire because you're on a one-year contract. You're done. Yeah. Now, when I was a finalist for the Oregon job, that was a whole different job, right? Now that paid. That was money. But the problem was what I realized was that the head coach didn't was going to tell people who he would pick. He delayed it. He delayed it. And that's when I realized, I looked to my wife. I said, you know, I no longer control my life. And so if I don't control my life, someone else doesn't. As you can tell, I like to be in charge, right? I'm an alpha male guy. And so now all of a sudden, I'm not in charge. And then, But what it did was I validated that I could, I was good enough, X and O's wise, to coach at this level, right? At the Pac-12, or the Pac-10 at the time. But I could, I was good. So that kind of stopped it, right? I'm like, all right, I'm good. I'm just going to stay in Oakland. I'm done. This is rewarding. I'm good. You know, someone, one of the interviews says, well, you could have made more money. I said, okay, yeah, but I got enough money to do, both my daughters got to go to college, right? One went to Stanford, one went to Loyola. Oh, wow. You know, I have a house. I'm, you know, what else do you need? You know, I get to take these great vacations. I can drive to San Diego. That doesn't cost any money, right? You know? stay with my cousin i mean so you don't need a lot of other things necessarily we chase the the next big thing or the chase the new flat screen you know everybody laughs i'm not on an apple phone i don't have a what, an iphone why i can use my android phone it's fine you know you don't need the newest best thing to be happy <clears throat> just you know like you're talking about the surf hat right i can be in hawaii and all I do is I sit at the beach for five to seven hours. I care. I got a pair of flip fins. I got a mask and a snorkel. I got a towel. I pack my own lunch. My wife and I, we pack lunch. We got a book. And then we just go from beach to beach and just chill. When it's over, we go back. I mean, it is so easy. People go, we well, got to spend all this. No, you don't. Beaches are free, brother. Just go hang out, right? You know, I got a kayak. We go out here to the estuary, we take out of my truck, we throw it in the water, we kayak, we come back. It's free, you know? So there's a lot of things you can do for free. So I'm a happy man. Yeah, and then the expectation. Yeah, that's great, man. The expectations, you talk about not chasing the next best thing. And is it tough to kind of reel some people back in? Because, you know, a lot of these guys are hanging everything on, like, D1. D one, you know, they score a touchdown. It's like, and listen, you can't, can you, you can't fault the kid because you want to get out and you want to make something of yourself and you want a new experience. That's also, you know, experiences are priceless. Talk about free experiences and, and ability to live somewhere else and have that, even if it's just for a year is priceless. Is it tough to kind of reel people back in and keep them grounded while also, you know, having their dreams, you know, be at the forefront of their minds, especially when, when their parents have said your way out when they're growing up, your way out is football. That's your life preserver. So that's an awesome, those are great. Right. So let me ask you this, right? Okay. You guys all went to college or go to college, right? Yes, sir. Same. College. So, we all went to college okay. together. Okay. So if I can get you to college for free, does it matter whether it's D one or D two or NAI D three it's free. You're not paying a cent. These guys don't have, you know, don't have a pot to piss in. Right. So, Go to the college, get a free education, play football wherever you're at. Trust me, the NFL, if you're good, the NFL will find you. NFL's got all types of money, Scott. We had a kid last year, played at NAI school, right? I worked for the NFL for 20-plus years. I got a guy that's with the the 
Eagles scout. He goes, hey, I got this tight end in my area. He's not bad. He's from Oakland. He's your guy. Oh, yeah, he's a good dude. Can he play? Yeah, he can play. Why is he here? Didn't do well in school. So he got invited to the minicamp from an NAIA school. Now, he didn't make it, but he got it to a little camp. But most importantly, he got a degree now. A kid that couldn't do school has a degree. C.J. Anderson, NFL guy. Everybody loved it. Three Super Bowls, right? This dude was the dude. He's got a degree from Cal. He would have never got to Cal if it wasn't for football and Laney College, right? So it's okay. So I try to tell him, like, RJ's all upset. So RJ's all upset because I'm a D1 guy. RJ, you're not a D1 guy. Coach, why not? You have a bad clock. He's already – so he played another JC before he came to us. He played for us. Then he played the next year, got hurt, played again. So he's been playing for four years. His clock's jacked up. But he won't take all these D2s because if you can ball, they're going to find you at a D2. Yeah. Right? But more importantly, RJ, you're going to get a free education. Now, because of the show, he's getting new interests, and it may turn out. But, like, it's okay. You don't have to. Now, New said in the, in the show, he goes – I don't care as long as I get a free education to take care of his family. He got it, right? Uh, he got it. Yeah. But it's hard. It's so hard to tell people that. Like, just go. We had a kid. He had like twenty snaps all year. Twenty snaps on the team this year. You don't see him in any of the last chance you stuff. He got admitted to Cal. Now he's not nice. going to play football there, but he's going to get a degree from the number one, arguably the number one public institution in the world, because he went to Laney went through our program because he did well in school with all the help that we gave him. And now he's going to go there to me. That's a win-win. And I'm trying to get that for people to understand. And it's hard, right? It's just yeah. so hard. I think a lot of these players are like, they're thinking too far ahead, you know, their dreams, they want to go to the NFL and they think if they go to a D2 or they go to NAIA, like that dream is over. But I mean, you say it yourself, they'll find you if you have the talent. We ask this to everybody. Your favorite sports memory could be from you playing, coaching, anything ever. Your all-time favorite sports memory. Wow, there's so many. You know, I thought about when you asked me that, you know, when I was 12 against my dad's team in baseball, I lined a homer center field underneath the scoreboard brackets just straight through, you know. And that was a big time because my dad was like, he was cheering for me, but it felt bad because it was against his team. But I think probably the number one thing was when we um, won the state national championship a year ago and we, the quarterback runs, we tackle them. I don't know how much time's left because I can't see the scoreboard. And I realize the game's over. We won. We're the champs. I run out to the field and I see my DB coach, Derek, who I've known since he's 14 years old. And I jump on him and he's just holding me. And then I realize, oh shit, wait a minute. My wife, my sister, my daughter. So I just took off and ran up into the middle of the stands. Everybody's like, you know, I'm supposed to go get the trophy or something. I ran to the top of the stands. Um, for me, that was probably it. I fast forward afterwards. I'm watching the film of the game when we won. And you see our players run out to the field when they won. They run out and they cheer. And all of a sudden you see them almost the whole team beeline and turn from the middle of the field and run to the end zone where the scoreboard is. The reason they ran there, we had a kid, Ramon Sanders, who was a starter for us. And in this first round of playoffs, actually had two sacks, tackled for a loss. In the Northern California Championship practice week, he broke his leg. Well, it turned out he had cancer. And so the kid, he was there at the game in a wheelchair, 
And the kids all ran to him to hug him up and to embrace him because he was part of the team. Now, fast forward to this year, they showed our 10th game, but didn't show our bowl game. The day before our bowl game, he died from cancer. So basically, he died less than a year from the time we died, he got diagnosed with cancer, it spread that far. And so when I look at that championship, it was two big things, right? Me running with my family and embracing it, but more importantly, our players running to their family, their teammate, and embracing him. And that's what, if anything, for me, is what I want to instill as a coach, that we care for each other and we celebrate our wins and our losses together. And I think that's what it is that we're playing for John Beam and Laney Bilt. That is a hundred percent cool to end on that one, man. That was phenomenal. Thank you coach for sharing. That's the, I mean, it's the best question you could ask because people always surprise us. I mean, you knew it's the national championship, but the levels that, you know, for you, for the players, you don't see, not everything's captured by last chance. Even though Netflix really did an excellent job, I felt with this one. Uh, and not, they always do, but they did a great job capturing you guys. Coach Beam, thank you so much hey, for joining us. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Hey, let's get up. Get on those kayaks and do some kayak surfing, baby. Hey, we're down to join you. You want to you want to get some free time on the beach? We'll hit you up, man. We have your email. We're We're in LA, not too far away. Never too late to learn a skill, especially when you're wearing a hat that makes you look like you do. Probably know it. So just stay safe, brother. Take care now. Bye. All right. Thank you. you. Amazing show. Can't say enough good things about Coach Beam. It yeah, we loved it. Really amazing experience for us. So thank you, Coach Beam. We appreciate you, Laney Built, pulling for that team going forward, all those guys going forward. Uh, it's crazy how lives are changed, you know, by that show. And it's it's such a feel-good show. And if you haven't seen the whole thing, we really recommend you do it. It's an amazing, amazing quick watch. We all crushed in like two days. So, um, And it's not just so football-centric. There's a lot of like feel-good stories in there. Um, and you learn a lot about the city of Oakland, which is great, which is something I was unaware of up until this. So changed my life a bit. And speaking of changing lives, my life has forever been changed because of OPA seasonings. Yep. Our friends at OPA seasonings are changing the world. Some of the best seasoning blends in the game. Go to opafoods.com, type in the code, the charity stripe, get 10% off of all OPA seasonings and products. And they're given a portion of what they make to the homeless. Hashtag everybody needs to eat. Opa Foods. Opa Seasonings. Go get it, guys. Coach Beam, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate you. And the fans out there, drag both feet inbound, swing on a full count, rip that puck, hit that putt, hit your PKs because they free, and hit your free throws. Why, guys? Because they are free. We out you. We love you. We sitting here, I supposed to be the franchise player, and we in here talking about practice.
Bases loaded. Two out. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.